Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and this is another episode of A Minor Detail. Thank you for joining us. We are live, and we tonight we're going to be talking about Washington County Board of Education Digital Learning Plan, and there's a lot to cover. We're going to have a special guest tonight, Henry House, a personal friend of mine, former Board of Education candidate, and we are talking tonight about a very important issue that's been in the news that has been a topic of conversation among many people in the community, a topic of conversation that deserves merit and credit in Washington County, and one that is personal to me. The Digital Learning Plan, and I'm reading directly from the Herald-Mail that said that the Board of Education will hear more information Tuesday, which was last week, uh, and that happened during the work session, about a digital learning initiative that could put a computer in the hands of almost every one of Washington County Public Schools, more than 22,300 students by the fall of 2017. Now, when I was a candidate for the Board of Education last year, I talked a lot about how technology can be used in the classroom. And I talked about how Dr. Wilcox, who I believe has a vision that is putting his vision into fruition, the board, several members of, the, of our Board of Education have a vision, the administration has a vision, and our teachers, they also have a vision. And I continue with the Herald Mail article. The idea is to phase in the devices over three years, that is the laptops, Starting with the upcoming school year, Superintendent Clayton Wilcox said last week, once fully implemented, the cost of leasing the computers is expected to cost approximately $3.5 million a year. School system officials first pitched the idea publicly to the board in January, but the board asked for more information so it could get a clear understanding of how the plan would work and affect students and teachers. School system officials are asking the board if it will make the initiative a budget priority Wilcox said in the phone interview, he said he doesn't expect board members to fund the program unless they are convinced it will improve student outcomes, which tonight I'm going to argue that it indeed will improve student outcomes and that it will be a hugely beneficial aspect for our school system moving forward. So Wilcox, and I continue, sorry, I'm reading this. <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. I'm I'm reading this, and my eyesight is sort of a little wacky tonight. So uh, if the board does support the program, there is funding to help pay for the first year. The board decides in October to move $2 million from the fund balance into the District Technology Initiative Fund. The cost of the first year of the three-year phase-in is expected to cost $600,000, Wilcox said. And then as more, year two, as more computers it would be leased would cost around $1.4 million. Starting with year three, when the program would be fully implemented, the annual cost of leasing the computers would be approximately $3.5 million a year. The types of computers talked about during the presentation of the board were tablets and laptops. There might be some students with special needs or physical challenges who can't use a handheld computer, but if appropriate, perhaps some, of the, some sort of device could be attached to the chairs, Wilcox said. Since Wilcox became superintendent in 2011, he's been a major proponent of technology and the use of technology to prove students' educational experiences. So I think this is a good place to start. 
when Dr. Wilcox was hired back in 2011 after Dr. Betty Morgan had left uh, to go on to bigger and better adventures, as some would say, Dr. Wilcox was hired with the idea that he was going to use an innovative approach to implementing 21st century education solutions inside of our classrooms. And I support it. I've had supported it since I got to know Dr. Wilcox. And this guy, and I don't mean to say that this guy, but I, you know, he's, I've never met a superintendent. I've met a lot of superintendents, but I've never seen someone with such a distinct view and such a distinct idea who wants, and someone who is so willing to put it into fruition and has explained it and has done every step of the process as a superintendent should. We have so much to look forward to with this project. Now, the project itself is not a action item. The board will not vote on it, but what the board will likely do is vote on the budget that will include the money for this project. And several people have expressed concerns about how we're going to pay for it, and we're going to address this with Dr. Own, Dr. Wilcox's own words later in the show. So the board did a presentation last week during a work session, and I watched the YouTube video probably about seven or eight times, and it's fascinating because there is so much information. Last week, teachers um, from different schools came and presented the idea and talked about how technology can be effectively used in the classrooms, how these tablets can be used properly and necessity. And I want to stress tonight that this technology that will be used inside of our classrooms, these laptops, these tablets, I'm, I'm hoping that it's Apple. Some people would disagree with that. They might hope it, that it's a Chromebook or some sort of Microsoft application. But if these tablets or laptops are used correctly, they will be a measure, not a means to an end or not the total end, but simply another means to help teachers in their classrooms. And as I said before in my Board of Education campaign, and as I have stressed over and over again, there is nothing that will replace a well-qualified teacher inside of every single classroom. This is not to take away our teachers. This is not to take away from their practicality inside of a classroom. That's not what this plan is talking about. But simply, this is an element of education as we in the 21st century, as students digest and consume information, much differently from when I was a student in elementary school, gosh, 20 years ago. Gosh, I'm feeling old. I turned 30 this year in November. I'm getting old. <laughs> so the way that I learned 20 years ago inside of an elementary school classroom at Lincolnshire Elementary School is transformatively different than how students are learning in the classrooms today. And we in Washington County have to think in terms of what the future is. And today, this is the future. To, <laughs> Dr. Wilcox understands this, that technology, students are learning every single day with technology. And by granting access, the world at their fingertips, every student in Washington County, think about the possibilities and think how teachers can utilize this experience 
with students, a very interactive experience, and imagine the possibilities with their education. Henry House is joining us from a, a bunker down below. Henry, is that you? Uh, unfortunately, yes, Ryan, it's me. I'm, I'm on the drive back home. Sorry I'm running late tonight. <laughs> That's okay. Henry, you and I had talked extensively on the campaign trail last year about technology, and you really took the lead on technology, and we've had many, many, many discussions over dinners, lunches, Rotary Club meetings, et cetera. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take the lead just for a moment and give your synopsis of the plan, and then we'll go into some of the clips in the show, and we'll we'll talk. We'll kind of analyze it and hash out each of the details. So you take the lead. Well, you know, when I decided to run for a board of ed, I sat down with Dr. Wilcox and shared part of my vision for technology in the classrooms. And what I was really impressed with is Dr. Wilcox was as in tune or more in tune than what I was on what the resources are available in the actual classrooms themselves. Uh, he's a big proponent on getting technology to enhance the learning experience for the students. We have some schools currently that are piloting technology in the classroom, and they are exceeding what our local criteria are versus competitive grades in other schools. And this is a really positive aspect that we can take, and we can propagate it over our entire school system over several years and see a good return on investment that really does not cost as much for placing or upgrading textbooks every year. Because right. right now, I think I'm we're on a out. three- to five-year cycle yeah. to upgrade textbooks. Yes. Henry, I'm going to start out with a clip from Dr. Wilcox, and it's his opening statement to uh, the work session last week. So um, there might be I'm, – I'm, I'm going to let this play out because I think it's important. So here is clip one of – Dr. Wilcox's opening statement. First, let me uh, thank the board members for scheduling this workshop today because clearly we have some conversation that we want to have with you based on our last meeting. So let me set the purpose. Um, our purpose today is to explain our plan um, that we call a digital learning plan. And, and notice that digital learning plan um, is a deliberate choice. We didn't call it a tech plan, although I will admit early on I referred to it as a tech plan. But as I talked to our leaders, they began talking about, you know what, it doesn't matter about the boxes. What really matters is, are our kids learning? Are our teachers better able to convey that which needs to be learned to them? So uh, it was a conscious and deliberate choice. What reflect, and it, I think it also reflects our view that great teaching is at the heart of any digital learning plan or any learning plan exactly. So today you're going to hear a solid description of how teaching and learning are evolving within the district, um, evolving to re reflect not only the changes in our curriculum, but evolving uh, to engage our 21st century learners and changing to reflect the world around us. Um, we've each listened carefully to your concerns um, and those things that you shared with us at the last board presentation, and we'll try to address each of them here today. Uh, we hope that you'll engage us in conversation as you hear things that you like and as you hear things that you have additional questions about. Today we've invited two outstanding teachers to participate in the discussion with us, uh, and that is a reflection of the fact that several of the teachers sitting on this board said, I want to hear from teachers. Um, and so we've asked one elementary teacher, Dave Warrenfeldt, and one high school teacher, Jill Lawson, to be with us today. Um, we asked them here, quite honestly, not just because you asked, um, because we think it's important that we hear the voice of teachers in this process 
who not only understand the pressure that's placed on teachers today, uh, but have found ways to blend not just the changes in our system, but they've also found a way to integrate appropriately triage technology and move students ahead academically. A couple of other points, if I may, um, before the presentation begins. Um, we've been working on adding technology to our best practices since the first day in my tenure here. Um, this is not then a new initiative, rather it is an initiative that has finally achieved a critical mass within the district and we believe is ready to be embraced more broadly by the majority of teachers in this district. And we'll share those numbers with you in a little bit about how we think that it is more than just one or two or a few zealots that have embraced technology, but rather it is a sophisticated majority of folks who really want this initiative to roll forward. Um, I also want to share with you that this doesn't represent a radical new expenditure. Uh, rather, it represents a modest addition, additional investment of dollars and the reallocation of currently budgeted resources, and we'll speak to that later as well. I do want to share with you that over the years our schools have moved from slide rules and calculators uh, to graphing calculators. Um, we've moved from chalkboards and overhead projectors to whiteboards and from whiteboards to smartboards and digital projectors. We've moved from 8 millimeter film some of you may remember that, to 16 millimeter film, and we thought we'd died and gone to heaven because we got the autoloader Bell and Howell projectors. Um, <laughs> we've moved from um, over-the-air TVs that were standalone units in our classrooms to TVs that are now uh, accessing broadband and touch screens and digital displays. Um, we have added broadband and Wi-Fi, um, and we really view the technology that we're proposing to you as simply the next step in that. I would also point out that school districts have historically simply reallocated scarce resources to embrace these new technologies, and that's one of the things that we're proposing to you here today. Um, we didn't require then great infusions of new resources, and we don't now. Um, fully de deployed this initiative, when you take a look at $3.5 million, three years in the future, fully deployed, across 22,000 students is less than 88 cents per day per student. I think we can make that investment. The question then isn't, um, will we? It's when. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the why, and then I'm going to turn it over to our group. Um, we believe that embracing this technology will make learning more relevant to 21st century learners. Um, we will fully align our students with the experiences of manufacturers in this community, bankers, lawyers, homemakers, truck drivers, doctors and nurses, all who use technology in their everyday life. We will give our students the skills and practice to distinguish between reliable and unreliable sources. We'll provide access to great libraries, to great works of art, and to the power of the digital age. And the question then before us is, are we, you know, are, are we going to do all that? Are we going to provide the technology and the promise that it provides to our kids, or will we simply succumb to those who are too tired to embrace the new technology? Will we succumb to uh, those who say we can't afford it? Or will we succumb to those who say, well, the pace of change is just too dramatic? The fact is that change is always around us, and the question is, can we stand still? Absolutely not, because others will pass us by. Uh, there's no such thing, really, as standing alone, particularly when you're embarking on, embarking on an event like this. Um, the use of technology in our district um, right now is 
almost event-oriented. It means when you can get to the computer lab, oh, you can use technology. Or when the cart rolls your way, you can use technology. We, we think that's not the way in the 21st century that technology should embrace. We think that technology should be with the kids, not that the kids should go to the technology. Um, and as I say all that, I, I know that there are probably some in the audience or some who are online who are watching this that would simply say to us, well, not every lesson deserves the infusion of technology, and we would agree that not every lesson does. There is still a place for flashcards, a simple $3 box of cards to help students understand basic facts is certainly a better and efficient, more efficient solution than a $2,000 laptop or a $1,000 laptop. None of us are disputing that. We still believe that the teacher has to make decisions every single day about when is the appropriate moment in time to use technology. And I think you'll hear some of that from the teachers today. I think you may see some of that today as teachers look in on us today over our YouTube channel and then respond in today's meet to you. Henry, that was Dr. Wilcox in his opening statement to the board and to the teachers that were present making the presentation last Tuesday and I can tell you, after listening to that clip, how could you not be convinced that this superintendent is leading the way, addressing many of the salient points that parents and teachers may have about this program? You can hear the passion in his voice. What do you think? Well, you know, as I said earlier, um, Dr. Wilcox has a great grasp on technology. He knows what our needs are within the, the Washington County community. Um, I believe a close associate of his um, has spearheaded a program in North Carolina, which I think he's using sort of as a template for us to develop uh, locally in Washington County. And the passion that he has for it, his passion isn't just to put technology in the students' hands. His passion is to get the students best prepared to be ready to grow up and sustain a living. And well, that's right. Fine. And we do. We use technology. We use technology in every facet. You know, you know Josh and Paige. Josh is is eleven. Paige is eight, and they are using technology in learning every facet of the way. Greater access to it inside of our classrooms. We have an opportunity to transform. To, I'm talking about big picture ideas to fundamentally transform the size and scope of the conversation and to drive this into the 21st century, we're talking about learning not just by a tablet or a laptop, and there's so many different apps and ideas that you can put into use that are practical use inside of a classroom. But Even cursive writing. This allows te – what's that? Even cursive writing. <laughs> Speaking of that, and we'll talk about that later in the show, One of we'll, we'll talk about – some of the board members' reactions, and I have clips from several of the board members, but I want to go into addressing the funding. One, the funding. People have brought up that it's too, that it's too expensive, that how are we to have the money? How are we going to pay for this? And what I need people to understand, or what I hope people understand, that as Dr. Wilcox said, this is a reallocation of money. It's already being budgeted. And it would come down to the board members obviously approving the budget, which may be a problem because some of the board members have expressed some concerns with the technology program. What do you think, Henry? Well, you know, 
I looked at the budget for this current year when I was running for school board. Extrapolating out what we currently have allocated for book replacements and what we have allocated for uh, classroom miscellaneous supplies, that total budget would be able to provide technology in the hands of every single student in this county. And right. We're talking about a difference of less than a half a percent of the overall budget as an increase. When right. Dr. So, Wilcox said it's $0.88 cents per student per day at a 180-day school year, he's basically saying that for roughly $150 a year, we're going to be able right. to put technology in our students' hands. Right. So here's what the Herald-Mail article said, that if the board decides to support funding for the program – Wilcox said it would probably would start with eight schools at the beginning of the new year. The plan for the selected schools, referred to as Vandegard schools, to get new computers and redistribute those old school there's old those schools old computers to other schools. In December, 18 schools applied to be one of the first schools. Officials said, for a school to be ready, officials are looking for more than 80 percent of its staff to want to be part of the program. Henry, I want to address. Uh, the funding. Dr. Wilcox addresses this specifically. Here's clip two. When we reviewed our spend on technology over the last three years, what we found is that we're spending through Arnold's shop, through now Jim's shop, and through school purchases and supervised led purchases, almost $2 million a year on technology. In fact, this year I think we spent a little more than $2 million on technology. Each of those were purchase orders that came to the board and were approved by the board in 100 lots or 250 lots, or I think at one point we even ordered 500 uh, computers to replace. the thing. This will be the first time that this board will have a systematic approach to the purchase and the acquisition of technology. And you will know that it is not just sitting on a laptop cart waiting for somebody to be used. It is going to be used. So I mentioned earlier that there's an incremental spend. We have budgeted in this next budget almost a million dollars that becomes hardwired, embedded deep into our budgets. That, I think, is a demonstration that we can reallocate and repurpose dollars, but we can also find within our budgets money to do the instructional things that we want to do on behalf of our kids. Are there some costs that we haven't accounted for? For example, some of the new apps that we might put on these devices. There may be a few. But as a system... We'll look at the budget documents, and we will only bring proposals to the board that we know fit within the budget or that we can right-size in the next budget allocation. And again, we're not going to put any Windows products on these machines. It's free. It doesn't cost us a penny. In addition to that, these devices across this district are loaded with free apps. Do we have some that we purchase? Absolutely. So I, I think we can account, and we will in the larger budget conversations, for the resources that go to this. Are there hard choices to be made? Could, for example, the million dollars be spent somewhere else? Absolutely. But that's a conversation that we have in the budget conversation. Right now, we're prepared to move forward, um, and we will begin talking. And, and, and so let me close with this. The model that we've designed was specifically designed with the board's not only political position in place, but their fiduciary responsibility to the larger community in place. At any point in time, you can throttle this activity back by simply saying, no, we're not going to purchase additional technology. 
Do I think you'll ever get to that point? I don't think so once you see what this group and others like them can do. Um, I think you'll be asking me, how can we support this to even higher levels? But right now, it's important for you as fiduciary agents of the community to know that at any point in time, you can disapprove of an expenditure request. Okay, so that was him on the funding. And I want to make the audience know that just a incidental sidebar here that and in just a few moments, um, Mike Johnson, our uh, past Rotary president, will come on to our show just for a brief minute, few minutes to talk about our one of the biggest Rotary events of the year in, in Washington County, which is the Bull and Oyster Roast. Henry, I'm so happy that you're here, too. As you can tell, I'm very excited about this for my second Bull and Oyster Roast. So when Mike comes on, we can have a little chat about that, and then we'll go right back into the technology discussion. Sounds great. Yeah. So, okay. So he addressed Dr. Wilcox, superintendent of our Washington County Public Schools, addresses funding, and he made several points. And I wanted to ask you what what is your thoughts on the funding aspect of this program before we move on to another topic? The the, the funding is there. We we don't need to do creative funding. When you sit down there and you look, and regardless of the platform that they roll it out in. If they roll out in an Android, uh, Google has uh, educational apps available essentially free of charge. They roll it out on a Microsoft platform. Microsoft has already developed applications free of charge. Apple, I presume, I know they have applications. Whether they're free of charge or not, I'm not sure. But all there's a plethora of things available. Uh, there's a company called Khan Academy that offers educational programs from pre-K all the way up through college-level classes online. So the, the, the programs are there, the technology is there. If we take, let's say, we move from a physical textbook to a digital textbook, and I know there's an argument for the pluses and minuses of carrying a textbook, we no longer have the replacement value because English doesn't change, math doesn't change. Once we make those purchases, we have a regular maintenance fee to retain access to that, but we're not rebuying that same book every three years. So over the cost of a 10-year model, going with technology actually could wind up saving Washington County a significant sum of money towards getting our students better equipment for the classrooms getting them the equipment that they can take home and do their homework, submit the homework online, allow the teachers to give homework assignments and even make uh, classroom lectures available if we have a snow day, there's an opportunity that we still could have a school going on. Well, let me me stop you there for a second. And, you know, you and I spent a lot of time out knocking on doors, and we had – a lot of feedback and plenty of input from parents who their students at home, they use technology every day to do their homework, to learn. They use apps, iPhones, uh, Android devices, and you and I will have a never-ending debate on Android versus iPhone. Um, I want to stop the conversation uh, on the technology right there. I'm going to bring in uh, past Rotary president, President Mike Johnson, and we're going to talk about just briefly about the Bull and Oyster Roast that is coming up on February the 22nd from 12 until 5. Hey, Mike, how are you? Uh, great, Ryan. Uh, 
thanks for allowing us to come on to the program. Yeah, you bet, Mike. Uh, I just I want to give the floor to you to talk about the the Bull and Oyster Rose Rotary's annual big fundraiser and uh, what it's all about, what kind of food we're going to have, and then uh, how we can get tickets. So the floor is yours, Mike. Okay, thanks a lot. Um, as Ryan mentioned, it's February 22nd uh, at Hagerstown Community College from noon to 5 p.m. at the ARC building. Uh, we're hoping to have over a thousand people again. Um, it's one of our biggest fundraisers. Last year, uh, Hagerstown Rotary uh, gave um, over $80,000 back to the community. So we're hoping that we can do that again this year. As far as the event goes, it's all you can eat, uh, raw oysters, fried oysters, sliced beef, chicken, sides, dessert, beer, wine. Um, it's also bonanza. We have a number of games that people can play. We have several raffles going on for a large screen TV as well as uh, our car giveaway. And uh, it's, it's a great event. Everybody loves it. And uh as far as getting tickets goes, um, it's online. You go to www.hagerstownrotaryb&o.com, and tickets are $50 a piece. And uh, like I said, it's a great time for everybody. Yeah, Mike, last year um, I think Chris Motes was in charge. And it's so correct me if I'm wrong, it's every past president of the previous year is in charge of putting on this mega event. Yes, that's right. It's part of uh, the way our club has come up with the uh, methodology to have a chair each year. And so um, I'm, I'm doing my uh, <laughs> term this year, and uh, our current president, Jason Rappaport, will um, – be in charge of it next year and uh well we have full confidence uh, mike it was it was a great event last year and i know it's going to be an even uh bigger event this uh this year we're going to have we're expecting over a thousand people and i can guarantee you that this is always one of the best uh, and most favorite events of the community it's worth every penny we we give money directly back into the community and um mike i i think that uh can you top last year are we going to top it this year? Um, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, we have gotten a number of uh, in-kind sponsors, which is new this year, which we're very appreciative of, um, as well as the um, our regular sponsors who uh, help out with uh, monetary donations. Um, the big uh, key to making sure we hopefully go beyond last year is the ticket sales. So I hope... Uh, all the listeners uh, tonight uh, get on their computer and check it out and buy tickets and uh, help us get over the top this year. Yeah, buy your tickets. Mike Johnson of the Hagerstown Rotary Club, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you on February 22nd. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye. Okay. Henry, I think Mike is going to make this <laughs> our, our board oyster. I think he's going to do a great job. What do you think? Well, you know, Mike has some big shoes to fill. Uh, between Dave <laughs> Hanlon and Chris Motz, uh, they, they threw down the gauntlet, and I know Mike is doing everything in his power to exceed what the, those two past presidents ha have done. And uh, <laughs> I really look forward to it. I, you know, 
I, I hope hope indeed that he he hits the thousand thousand people plus uh, level. Um, we've already bribed Lou Scally so that we could have a clear day for the uh, bull and oyster uh, roast. He he's he's delivered oh I would say about eight out of ten times, uh, giving us good weather for the bull and oyster roast. So uh, we're counting on him to give some clear skies. It's okay to be cold, but we don't want to have to be shoveling snow to get people in for their uh, fried oysters. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Henry, last year you were in Florida, so I don't want to hear about the cold weather. Well, you know, it, it was a tough choice, Brian. It really was. You, you know, <laughs> go to the bull and oyster roast and freeze my tush off or take my family down to Florida and spend money with Mickey Mouse and friends. So That's right. Well, hopefully you didn't get the measles. Um <laughs> So let's go right no, back we didn't into go to Disneyland. <laughs> let's go right back into the technology talk. We talked about some of the parents' concerns, and I think Dr. Wilcox addressed this largely uh, during uh, many of the times that he had spoke during the work session. I'm going to play a clip uh, where he talks about some of the concerns with the program and how he would address that. I think the thing that I want to share with you, because the majority of our board members are former teachers. Um, Others of you have children in our school system, so you're all connected to this in ways that perhaps other corporate boards are not connected to the products that they – this is fundamentally about improving student instruction, and it's about our kids. But we have not lost sight of the fact that our teachers are the centerpiece to this. If our teachers don't embrace this, Mike, it will not happen for our kids. And so we are, have a vested interest in taking our time making it happen, and being, I think, inclusive about decision-making, about where this goes next and how it's it's best used. Um, you know, I think a lot of parents, if given the opportunity to comment, would absolutely say this is a very positive thing. How do I, how do I know that? I know that because two years ago when I sat and met with the folks from Antietam Cable and started talking about the digital divide in access, um, Literally, thousands of parents have now signed up for $10 access through Antietam Cable that this school system was instrumental in providing for parents. So I know parents want their kids to have access because they're buying these $10 packages. And, and you know, that's powerful to me. Um, just this week, I met with leaders at Microsoft. And most of you know that there is a statewide consortium that's now been developed. And Microsoft is literally giving the Microsoft productivity tools, Windows, Excel, PowerPoint, away for free to students in Washington County and students across Maryland. And they're not just giving one license to it. They're giving each student in this county and each teacher in this county five licenses. Put it on every device that you have. Put it on your phone. Put it on your Apple, your iPad. Put it on your Android device. Put it on your MacBook. Put it on your Dell machine. Put it where you want it because they know that our kids are globally connected, and so are the families. So I think that there is plenty of evidence that our parents are embracing this. I think parents will really embrace it when they realize this is not a device that they have to buy. It's a device that the school system is providing. Um, and we've talked about, well, what do we do when we have slippage? Because we know that there's going to be some parent somewhere who makes a really bad decision and goes to pawn this off. And we've talked to pawn shops. Mike actually went to five pawn shops in his area and said, what do you, what, you know, what, what's going on? Well, first of all, you should know that in the BIOS of every machine is going to be our 
uh, address. So when somebody starts it up, whether it's a policeman or somebody else somewhere else, we know where that machine is and we know that it's ours. But we're also talking about perhaps a means-tested kind of user fee that says that, you know what, to use this device, we're going to ask every parent in the system to provide $25, a small token. But when you take that money and aggregate it up, it really represents an insurance pool, if you will, so that when a machine gets dropped, we can replace the glass in it or we can replace the machine. Um, we think we've anticipated a lot of these things. One second, and then we'll come back to you. And we've also kind of talked amongst each other, and we've had experience with other counties that when kids can't pay, they're still not divide the device. The fact is that the larger community kind of envelops them and says, you know what, we're going to co cover you. So we think that there's a way to deal with that. Yeah, Henry, I think there's a way to deal with that as well. I think he addressed many of the parents' complaints. And as we read on the Herald Mail, we've read some of the comments and feedback from uh, WHAG. There were some legitimate concerns expressed by many parents, the cost, the, the security, uh, what, the, what else the money could be used for. Um, but did Dr. Wilcox's answer, do you believe that it satisfies um, many of some of the many of the outstanding concerns that the community have for this program. Well, I, I think part part of it is the general community does not understand the level of complexity that the budget is, and that the budget already has provisions to cover this implementation. It's not we're not taking anything away from the student as it stands. We're adding to it, so we're enhancing the the small cost that he just mentioned twenty five dollars per unit that's very incremental when you start to consider that we have a twenty two thousand student school system. Some people won't be right. able to come up with the twenty five dollars but it's absorbed within the general pool of the community and the attrition rate of these devices is below a half a percent. I talked to my neighbor who volunteers at one of our local elementary schools. She says, well, you know, their, their dad's going to go pawn it off or it's going to get stolen and they're going to be up when they're, when they're walking home from school. None of the numbers show that. Mobile Alabama has a system in place, and they, do, they have a high, higher crime rate than we have within the city of Hagerstown. They right. don't have an issue with this. So, well, I want to tell you, I want to talk about some of the issues that some of the board members do have. The board members had an opportunity to address some of the, the students, or I'm, excuse me, they had an opportunity to address uh, the, the other board members, the teachers. They asked questions. It was an interactive forum. They, some of the board members uh, embraced this program, and we'll play the clip. Uh, and there was one board member in particular who got a little bit of press, and Tim, <laughs> Tim Rowland wrote a columnist for the Herald Mail that we all like. He talked about the school board's innovative approach and had a great editorial or a column in, uh, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, the Sunday paper. And he talks about it. He said the board has agreed to move forward with the three-year plan, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not trying to downplay Tim's column. I'm just fast-forwarding to the point that I want to make. And <laughs> he said, yet there will be some who believe our kids are flooded with too much technology as it is. Even from one Washington County board member came the notion that we need less emphasis on technology 
and more on cursive handwriting. Henry, I find that absurd. I'm sorry. I think that this is a ridiculous notion. And I want to play the clip from one particular board member. It's about five minutes long, so bear with us, and we'll talk about that after the clip finishes. So uh, you're going to hear a little bit about – you're going to hear a back-and-forth conversation at first, and then you'll hear one particular board member talk about his opposition to this plan. So hold on to your seats because you may be in for something that could cause you potentially to lose your hair. When would this uh, program start? What we're what the, we're hoping to do is what we're hoping to do is is launch the Vanguard schools uh, yet this month, um, early in this month. Um, we've identified them all prior to the Christmas time. We went through the interview process and we've done a selection. Well, we're just waiting to notify them. The thing that I continually heard, uh, I think Jackie brought this up, is when you're out talking to teachers, and I'm not saying all teachers, but they get inundated with so much more new programs, new initiatives that they aren't getting the proper time to learn it and they have other initiatives that they're also trying to learn. I don't want to continue to be adding to their plate. And I know one of Jackie's comments was, can it wait to the beginning of next year so that we have summer time to roll this out? I mean, that would be a question for me. I know everyone's anxious about getting this done. Um, I think it's going to get done. It's just when. Um, the funding, I have questions about funding, and there's no way I can sit here today and just rattle off the, the questions. You know, where are we going to be in, you know, those seven years from now when we're going to come up with $3.5 million every year? It's going to be a part of the budget. How are we going to come up with those monies? You know, every year, you might have the answer. I don't know, but I'd like to. I'd like to hear that. Um, I think parents um, need to buy into this also. And I'm as as many people that commented all the great things about this. I'm hearing parents that are just saying, "I'd rather have my kid be able to read and write." And I know, as a business owner, I would like to know how are we going to get. How are we going to have our students come out of third grade and have all the the tools that they need to go into the technology world? I can tell you right now, I have students that are very savvy on the computer, but they can't they can't read my cursive writing. And I think parents see those type of things, and they're concerned about the that little is, right? things that they that they Maybe have questions have about. And so, you know, parents need to be bought. They need to buy into this program also. Um, Jill, you had talked about um, your shy student. <clears throat> I know um, students that have no social skills, and I heard that a lot. You know, they can't communicate. All they can do is, right. you know, I see it at the restaurant. Families come in, and they don't talk anymore. Right. The kids are doing this and that's great but in the real world we have to be able to communicate among ourselves and sometimes it's easy to hide behind a laptop an email and i get students i get workers that'll call me and go i quit you know we're teaching people to use devices that you really need to say why are you quitting is there a reason 
but they, they've come to the point where they can hide behind that and say, um, I'm calling in sick. And I think it starts in the classroom, too, that we need to be able to say, you know, we have to have social skills. Right. And I don't know if you can teach social skills on a laptop. I, I could be totally wrong. But, you know, I think sometimes communicating to students, and you're saying that student can't communicate very well other than through this. How are we going to get a student to be able to communicate, um, you know, if we're we're going into the technology world and we're losing that student that's not going to be able to look at you in the eye and they're going to sit at home and say, I can't come into school today because I'm sick, and they're, you're losing that. And then, then a follow-up on they're that. Sick, they can use their you know, sometimes it becomes a slippery slope. True. You had said, um, you talked about Make books. Make work. I don't know. Um, you use certain books in classrooms, and you don't want to get away from that. I know how it is with, you know, the, the employees that I have. You know, you give them a really nice tool, but you still have to do this. All they want to do is use the tool, and then they skip steps, and they don't. It just it continues. They don't have that the the basic of cooking or right. you know having to read a recipe. They just oh I know how to do it, and I'm afraid that you know if we're if we're not using you know that uh, a sixty forty that you're always having some something in the classroom that the teachers are always going to go, well, we just have technology, and eventually it'll just be all on laptops. And I'd, I'd hate to see that, that we don't have books and we don't teach out of a book also. You know, I, I have concerns about that. I don't know about you, Henry, but <laughs> I don't know if I would want to be that person's employee. It has yeah, so you know, faith in I you. just had an Orwellian flashback to the Apple 1984 commercial. Yeah. It was scary. Because it reminded the, me of like the, the the viewpoint he had gave me oh well these people are just dumbed down by staring at their computer screens all day long. There's nothing I, you, you in Doctor. Yeah, it, it, that that whole that that entire soliloquy, if you will, or whatever you want to call kind. that was. And it was a, a thought process that is so removed from actual reality. We're having to – listen, you take a board member who's talking about cursive writing and juxtapose that with board members who are talking about 21st century ideas. I don't know who he is talking to. I don't know where he is coming up with this, but well, Mr. Gessler you – know, I was listening to him talk, and I'm familiar with the restaurant business, so only thing I can think about you are, him you introducing a new piece of equipment is he must have bought a food processor – so they didn't have to use a knife to chop up the parsley. Um, it, it, it's not really comparing apples to apples. The we never said that where we're replacing teachers. Pardon? Where do you think that he's? Where do you think that his opposition comes from? I mean, I I don't want to be mean, and and this is not to degrade him because. Uh, I, I, I think that he has obviously has some time to get acclimated with how the board works and whatnot. But I feel like he's taking his cues elsewhere, and it just didn't seem authentic. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's my impression, but that kind of thought is what sets us back on our school system. And I understand he's expressing concerns and what he believes to be legitimate. But he literally said – he mentioned cursive writing. I mean maybe he's just a – maybe he has bad handwriting. I don't know. 
But well, that... you know, my wife can't read my handwriting. We both graduated high school at the same time. No, I can't read So the, that's, you know, being able to read cursive writing is a moot point. The, excuse me, um, I, I, I'm not really sure if he is in tune with what really goes on in the classroom. I mean, for me, I, had, I, I raised three kids. I now have grandchildren in, in the school system. So I understand what they're facing. I'm not quite sure if he has that same rapport. Um, well, and being I'm in the play, restaurant I play and minute. it's 80, 100 hours a week, maybe he doesn't have, have a knowledge of what's going in the classroom and it's been a while since he was actually in one. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's a new board member, that he, that I don't know if he's really going out into the community because I have heard from business owners, from teachers, from students, and I'm going to read a few of the live stream that I received from Richard Wright, and it's public information. I asked for it, and Richard Wright uh, promptly sent me a copy of what teachers were saying during the live stream of, um, of while this work session was happening. But I want to play another clip quickly of Melissa Williams, board member, and her thoughts. I'm not one that needs to be convinced. I, I know the merits, and uh, I've witnessed the increase in engagement, and I've seen all the great things that, that happen as a result of our students being um, instructed in the use of technology and in using it as they're being instructed. So I, I don't need convincing, and I, but I do thank you. It was great to hear of the wonderful things that, that you're doing in your classrooms. You are truly stars. and. Um, I know that it's going to be um, difficult for some people. I don't want to call them dinosaurs. They may identify themselves as dinosaurs, but there, I know that there will be different comfort levels among among the uh, the teachers out there, and that uh, I think we can all acknowledge that. Um, my concern is more with the plan per se, and um, while I am certainly one who uh, is willing to take a risk, I don't want the risk to be this plan. I've worked in this system and I've been involved in many rollouts of initiatives and I've seen things done in ways that um, don't always result in the kind of uh, end product that we had hoped because we've had to compromise on resources or money or faculty or whatever. Um, and I don't want that to become the Washington County way. So I, I have a lot of questions about the plan. Um, I've, I've looked at uh, what's involved financially with hardware, but I've also read in the plan that there is professional development that will need to be funded. There are several, I think, additional staff talks about digital learning coaches and a coordinator. Um, so these are the concerns that I have. Um, money, time, energy, all of, all of those things. So I would hope that we could have further discussion. Henry House joining us here on A Minor Detail talking about the Washington County Board of Education Digital Learning Initiative the plan. That was Melissa Williams, current board member, up for re-election in 2016. Um, teacher Association backed. Um, Henry, I want to read to you some of the live stream from teachers uh, as this event was happening. Um, I'm reading directly from a, a sheet that I'm 
happy to send anyone uh, for supplemental material. Um, I can't prepare my students for 21st century without 21st century technology. Uh, most of my sixth grade students this year were born in 2004. Think about that. Anytime, anywhere learning, technology can open the doors for all of our students and level the playing fields and opportunities. Thank you for your support, Dr. Wilcox. We're so fortunate for our students to have a worldwide learning experience such as tech at EKD. Technology is ubiquitous, touching almost every part of our lives, our communities, our homes. Students need this experience in schools. Beyond the school technology, fourth grade students collaborated with an education environmental organization, Live Skype and Keynote. Uh, let's see. It's all about the students. Providing our students with the tool of technology allows them to break down the walls of our school without the cost of a field trip. I love that one. They have the world at their fingertips. Social media has been an opportunity for collaboration between ESMS and HS educators. Internet access will be free to all like AM and FM AF, AM and FM radio, radio signal. It's coming soon. Teachers will remain at the center of the classroom and design learning experiences that will utilize technology to excel learning. Technology is a tool and will never replace good teaching. Technology would be the tool to enhance teaching and enhance learning. And Henry, I have eight pages of overwhelmingly positive comments. How does the board members, how does board member Gesford and Williams, have they really talked to teachers? Because it doesn't seem like they really have gone out and had a discussion about the merits of this plan because I can give you evidence that in real time that teachers overwhelmingly support this. And I have a graphic where they polled teachers in the classroom, and it was a staggering, almost surreal graphic that said they want this technology experience. They're applying to be part of the Vanguard schools. They've had so many different schools apply. I mean, it's like 18 schools that applied to be part of this program. Henry, what say you? My my opinion on this is, and we discovered this when we were out knocking doors. We talked to a, a teacher, and she had concern about technology in the classroom. She was also a very tenured teacher. And That's I right. I remember her. When we she talked was, to yeah, I Mrs. Williams, um, she's been out of the classroom for a, a few years. She obviously, many years as as a good servant sure. into our county school system. Yeah, absolutely. The Where I think where we have disconnect is that the way we are teaching, not, the, not our teachers, but the way we are teaching, we have so many more tools available today that we didn't have available 10 years ago. Let me play you. We didn't you. have available for you. 20 years ago when you were in school. Right. Let me play for you, our president of the board, let me play her a clip where she talks about the program. I think it's imperative that we move forward. I think there is some uh, issue with time uh, sensitivity. We have a two-year waiver for all of our teachers from being evaluated from the high-stakes nature of the test. Our um, high school students have a two-year waiver on that as well. So we have a two-year window of opportunity where teachers can take risk and students can take risk. 
without having this high-stakes testing hanging over their heads. And there is talk about ex extending that waiver, but I would say that can't be guaranteed. So we have to, I think, move forward um, as far to the <clears throat> size of the plan or, Mrs. Williams, the concern about implementing plans. The way I look at it is <clears throat> I want to be sure we don't think too small. A large plan and a large vision may have to be adjusted as we go along, but if we start too small, uh, we'll never be able to get this whole concept going. And I would like to think the students of Washington County, and we all know we have 50% free and reduced meal families, children in this county, have the same opportunity as any other student in this state. Just because they live in a rural county shouldn't mean that they don't, wouldn't be able to compete in Maryland, the country, the world, anywhere. And uh, I'll put our kids and our staff up against anyone in this state and maybe beyond that as well. So those are my thoughts. It doesn't mean we don't have some hard choices to make going forward and we always have to pay for vision, the money. So we're going to do that, and we're going to be very effective and efficient, but uh, I would support moving forward. absolutely agree with uh, President of the Board, Donna Brightman, who clearly articulates a vision. And one of the memorable uh, quotes that she offers is that we cannot think too small. Henry, we can't think too small in the 21st century. I put the kids in Washington County, I put our teachers up against anyone in this state, and I believe to the core that our teachers will be equipped, will be ready, and will be able to implement this program in its entirety and put it into fruition. And I have no doubt that our students and our teachers will be able to adapt because we are an adapting culture. We have one of the best school systems in the entire state of Maryland. I would put up our school system next to any in the entire country, and I bet – I will bet on Washington County every single time. What say you? Well, Brian, we have a tremendous gem with the employees that are in our school system, with the support from the families that we have in our community. The challenge that we have is no longer – we're not competing against the people who are just across the Mason-Dixon line or across the Potomac River. These kids who are going to our school are completing on a global platform. They have to be prepared not just to be the best in Washington County or the best in the state of Maryland or the best in the I-81 Cumberland Valley Corridor. They need to be the best in this country. Yes, and they do. Dr. And Wilcox's vision, and it's not something that he just woke up a year ago and said, oh, we should do this. Right. He has spent, since he, probably before he ever took this position with Washington County School Systems, he had a vision, and he had to wait for technology to catch up to his right. vision. And Henry, we have 30 seconds left. I appreciate your time on the program tonight. I'm going to finish it out. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, Henry. Come back anytime. This is 
an opportunity for our school system to thrive. Dr. Wilcox and several members of the board have a vision, and I urge our parents, our teachers, to continue working with Dr. Wilcox and the board to encourage any of the other board members who aren't fully on board to lobby on behalf of this program and to pass this initiative. This has been another great episode. Thank you, and have a wonderful evening.